a potato. Have a potato. Have a potato. Thank you, I should love a potato. the goldenagehorror.com podcast. This week we're doing part four of James Whale January, The Old Dark House. Remember to stay tuned after the show for more information, or you can check out our website at www.goldenagehorror.com. going to talk about The Old Dark House, which is a 1932 American comedy and horror film directed by James Whale and starring Boris Karloff. Starring being a loose term. <laughs> starring being a loose term. I suppose it stars uh, Melvin Douglas, I guess. That's more of an ensemble piece. Right, yeah. It stars everybody. Yeah. But least of all Boris Karloff. Yeah. Um... It's based on a novel which I had, which I have never heard of in any other context, called *Benighted* by J.B. Priestley, which is apparently sort of a uh, lost generation gothic. If you can imagine such a thing. Sure. Yeah. I can. Okay. Well, I. It actually, I think, uh, if you imagined it, it would come out kind of like this movie. That's what I was thinking. Like that's what was popping in my head. Yeah. <laughs> in black and white and everything. Yeah. Um, what did you think of the old dark house? It was I, weird. I like, yeah, it is weird. Yep, it felt kind of not of the universal era, which is weird. Well, I mean, it comes at the beginning of the universal era. It comes right after Frankenstein. They made this movie in between uh, Frankenstein and Bride of Frankenstein. Yeah, um, but it doesn't feel like it. No, it's not much like Frankenstein, even though it is a gothic movie um it doesn't really uh it doesn't have this it doesn't feel the same way a gothic in the same way that um dracula or frankenstein do for sure um uh, the acting in this movie is is very good and it, it it's got a single set and it, so that creates like a very uh stage um like a, like a very theatrical stagey type feeling for me, when I watch this movie, I think of it as almost like it, it could very easily be a play. Yeah, and they wouldn't you wouldn't lose any of the scope. Like if if you do, if you do a play version of Dracula, I feel like you kind of need a big stage, right? Because there's a big, lot of big sets, big locations. You, yeah, it's a bigger it's a bigger story. Whereas this movie could easily be at, an, at, a, at your neighborhood playhouse. Wait a minute, is one of these guys blind? One of those guys blind? Okay, never mind. Well, there's a mute and there's a deaf person, or a nearly deaf person. So I was wondering yep. for a second if someone had poor eyesight, but that's just a coincidence. Yep. Well, the, the other one's uh, crazy. Yeah. but like So mute, deaf, and crazy, and uh, also Ernest Sessinger. One of them is Ernest Sessinger. Yeah. 
But that's not really like. It's not. It's not equivalent to being mute or deaf. No. <laughs> not especially. The mute character is not one of the family. He isn't now. So it sort of breaks apart the symmetry right there. It does, but I just thought about it for a second. Yeah. He's mute so he can be like Frankenstein. But I mean, basically, I think that's true. They they wanted they cast Karloff because they wanted they wanted uh, the character to reflect to, to reflect Frankenstein as much as possible. They were trying to make, they were trying as, as hard as possible to make this movie like a follow up to Frankenstein. He even makes all like the same kind of groaning sounds. Yeah, lumbers around. But he doesn't have any nuance. He's just like a weird. No, he he's really this is one of his his weaker roles. He really doesn't he really isn't given much to do. Whereas in Frankenstein, even he can he can add some nuance to the the script gives him a little bit of room to act, you know. No, and this he is a he is an alcoholic foreigner, I think. Yeah. Well, I just assumed he was Irish, but I guess does he? Do they call him foreigner. I thought they did. They probably do. With the name like Karloff. Well, he played it. His name was Morgan, not yeah. Karloff. I know. So right before we did this podcast, I watched a supercut on the internet of Ernest Thesiger at the dinner scenes telling people to have a potato. Yeah. It's pretty good. Well, you know, he likes potatoes. It's Gin and potatoes, that's there for dinner. And he just wants to share them with people. That's <laughs> uh, pretty funny. He's, uh... So, yeah, speaking of uh, acting in this movie, they're all excellent, but I, I really, obviously, I uh, have a soft spot for Ernest Thesiger. Yeah. I think he's great in this movie. He looks great, and he's his he's usual entertaining self. Now, this movie is very much like a comedy movie for the most of it. Yeah, it is It is funny, like, although the, there is a stabby pyromaniac at the end. Yeah, but, you know. Is and it, it's pretty serious. Is there not pretty, in life? <laughs> uh, I have yet to really uh, encounter someone who is both stabby and a pyromaniac. That's because you're still here talking to me. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's the opposite, isn't it? Well, that's why you haven't encountered one. <laughs> yeah. Nope. They come at the end. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, we also has Charles Lawton. I don't know who that he is. Have, um, Charles Lawton is the fat guy. I, I mean, okay. He he's a he's a he was a pretty big star in the '30s, and a character actor kind of star. Um, I'm trying to think of other movies he was famous for. In, in the same sphere as this movie, he's Doctor Moreau in The Island of Lost Souls. All right. And uh, uh, he plays the Hunchback of Notre Dame in like 1939. Plays Quasimodo. Okay. Uh, just he's a, sort of a well-known actor from the '30s, and in this movie he puts on a Welsh accent, which I don't really fully know what that means. Wait, Northern English, Northern England accent? I can't do it. Don't ask me to do it. I'll have to YouTube how to do it. Yeah, it'll take forever. <laughs> also, but, I don't think. Yeah, Wales is in southern England also. Well, he puts on a northern England accent, so it's not Welsh. Yeah, which is different than Welsh. Yeah, right. I thought well, I always assumed Welsh was working class and incomprehensible. Well, he does. It's a work. I guess I got them confused because they're both working class sounding accents. Yeah, but I guess. Uh, yeah. Just blew my mind, Andrew. Wide open. No problem. Do what I can. This movie was lost for a long time. Like the like like in some like in a can, some room somewhere kind of thing. But it was lost for a long time, and then it was restored in 
1968. Okay, so not that long. Just just 30 something years. I mean, that's a long time to lose a movie. Yeah. It's cool when they find them. Yeah. It doesn't look like a lost movie, like in the way the Fritz Lang movies did, somewhat. Yeah. Well, what do you mean? I, th- I thought actually the quality of the print I watched was pretty poor. On Old Dark House? Yeah. I, mean, I thought maybe it was just the... Oh, yeah, I guess it could be the setting. Yeah. It was very dark. Mm. Old Dark House. Yeah. So uh, I'll just run through the plot real fast, I suppose. Um, basically, uh, these three English people are in a car. Uh, their names are Roger Penderel in the Wavertons, Margaret and Roger. Margaret and Roger? That doesn't sound Margaret right. and What? Margaret and Philip. Yes, Margaret and Philip. Roger being Roger Penderel. So I'm going to start that sentence over. So three English people in a car. <laughs> Yeah. And then there's they too much water. A, yep, they have it's to stop. Raining. Yep. They get to uh, the Femmes' house. The Femme being this uh, ludicrous clan of um, elderly folk. Yeah. Who are all possessed of, um, let's call them foibles. A little character traits? Yes. Uh, including a delightful, delightfully mute, Butler, played by Boris Karloff. Um, the sister is a uh, grabby religious fanatic. And uh, their fa- the father of the family is apparently an old lady with a beard glued to her face. Yes. Uh, okay. So that was a woman. Oh, for sure. Okay. I don't know why. I, I thought the movie's I, cr- I, thought I movie's missed something. Cr- yeah. Nope. That's just, I don't know what that's about. They could call him Sir. And well, it's a they. He's a play. She plays the father. Yeah, I guess to make him see because he's supposed to be 102. So I suppose they figured casting one would make him see older as a character. Uh, he's also credited as John Dudgeon in the movie, but uh, Wikipedia credits Elspeth Dudgeon as Sir Roderick Femme. So which would make more sense because there's a woman. It's definitely a woman. I don't. I don't think there's any question about that. Oh, yeah, it says right here on the Wikipedia page, that thing I just said. So um, the weird thing about this, as opposed to all the others, is that there is this, there is a giant storm raging on, mm-hmm. but there's no really immediate threat going happening. Right, other than the threat of drowning. Yeah, but, I mean, you're in a house, you're not really going to drown. Probably. I mean, it turns out there was a threat the whole time, but I, I, take, I take your meaning precisely. I know exactly what you mean. So most of the movie ends up being, like, small little character stories mm-hmm. of just people interacting with each other locked in a house yeah yeah it's 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 a strange it's definitely a strange movie um i think it's it's weird to talk about it because it does actually have some continuity with the other james whale movies because it is a james whale movie it, it has certain things that um all his movies tend to have so is this happening during the mummy uh, no, the mummy comes after this. When does the mummy come out? Oh, I don't know. I was saying thought... canonically in fiction. Yeah, no, this happens after the mummy. Okay, because there's different. Uh, the, none of the characters are the same. <laughs> <laughs> I guess they came out around the same time, same year, but this was definitely before the mummy. In fiction, no, after the mummy in fiction. Wait, when did the mummy take place in fiction? I don't know. Wait, so you're saying all those movies take place in the same fiction? 
No, I'm not. Oh. Am I? Uh, you said the James Whale cannot... cannot... Well, J- The Mummy's not a James Whale movie, oh. so scratch that one right off your list. You big doof. Um, oh, I've seen The Invisible Man. Yeah. No, uh, but I mean, I was just saying thematically. Okay. It, it, it both... It, I mean, it's, it is, like you're saying, a lot different from all the other movies, but uh, thematically it has some similarities. Like, uh, all James Whale's movies are kind of funny. Yeah, they have. Or at least kind of comic. Or they try to, at least. Yeah. I mean, this movie doesn't have Uno O'Connor, so that's minus one. That's plus. That's like plus ten thousand. <laughs> and, uh, um, but it, and it's also concerned with class, like like, um, obviously there's the bit with Charles Lawtonist or William Porterhouse going on about his dead wife who was driven to uh, her death because they the society women mocked her working class clothes. Yeah. And yeah. And then the rest of the movie, like like all of his other movies, have that same sort of. Uh, I guess not really Frankenstein, but the other ones definitely have this element of class to them. Well, I think what what this movie is, is very feels so different from the rest is that I mean, with the poster and it being a universal movie and putting Karloff in it, they tried to position it probably in the same, you know, vein. And of popularity as these universal horror movies at the time, mm-hmm. but like it's a movie of people sitting around talking. Yeah, no, I yeah, I got. It's you. very much more like a play or a novel. It is, yeah. I, I mean, and it and it was unsuccessful in the United States. <laughs> and I can't imagine. I mean, I, I I imagine everything you're saying contributed to that. Yeah, largely. I, I mean, it's like 2015. I'm sure people, plenty of people still don't like you know. Sitter, people sitting around talking movies. Well, Andrew, you know they make movies where can, um, cars can turn into robots now, right? They do. I know. Sometimes they make movies that don't have cars turning into robots, just cars going fast. I don't. Yeah, even that would be better than people talking. <laughs> just talking. Yeah. Talking about stuff. Mm-hmm. Nothing happens. There's, there's no pyromaniacs until like the last ten minutes. It's not, yeah. even, it's not even a threat of one until like the last twenty. None of the pyromaniacs turn into robots. None of them. None of them go very fast. <laughs> he does. He does act like he's going to throw a knife. He does, but like I, mean, I imagine it would have been really slow looking. <laughs> there's also a fight scene with Boris Karloff and uh, uh, whoever the no. Roger... There's a kind of like they're kind a scuffle. There's they're a little like I'm gonna, we're going to grab each other's shoulders. I wonder how many fight choreographers uh, got involved in that. One, zero. I was. I bet zero. <laughs> no, because someone think... told them they had to fight. Yeah, but is that a, is that really a choreographer? Or they were just like, "You guys got to fight," and they were like, and they were like, "All right, you grab my shoulders, and I'll wrestle you around." Um, like they verbally talked it out. Like someone has to be the ends. first fight choreogra- choreographer. Yeah, I don't think it, I don't think he was employed yet. Whether they whether they admitted or not, it has to start somewhere. Yeah, I don't. Well, like I'm saying, I don't think it started here. Somewhere in the sometime in the seven, late seventies started. Well, no, I guess whenever kung fu movies started coming out. Whenever they stopped. Grabbing each other's fists and shaking back and forth. Well, you don't really want to hit someone; you could hurt them. <laughs> um, sometimes they fall down there, like down the stairs. They did. They push Carl up down the stairs. Well, I know they break a candelabra or something over his head. And they push someone down the stairs. Yeah, I feel like it's Karloff. It could be. I mean, it is his character, but no one's saying it's Karloff going down the stairs. <laughs> no, they push Carl up down the stairs. It was. I mean, now some people still- died by falling down. I think. Did someone die in this movie? 
did the the pyro, did Saul the pyromaniac die? Oh, did he die? I think he died falling yeah, down. Yeah, he probably did. Yeah. That's actually, I think that, yeah. This movie would almost be better if there wasn't a pyromaniac in it. Oh, yeah, if it wasn't, like, like pigeon, pigeon, like, shoehorned in um, horror elements. Oh, I don't know if they shoehorned in. I mean, they adapted the story. And I don't think the story was trying to... I, don't, I mean, I don't know. I haven't read the story. I don't know if shoehorns the right what I would call it, but I know what you mean. Maybe they could have taken them out and it would have been a better movie. Maybe. Um, it doesn't seem like... It doesn't start mentioning it until much later in the movie, but maybe I just wasn't pulled in by the intrigue of watching the hidden room. Yeah. And then once what was revealed to be in the hidden room, was like, oh, it's just a crazy guy. So this is actually the old dark house is also the name of the genre that they're they're doing here, which I guess they were. I I, I see. I saw. I've read different things, and and one thing I read was that they called it the old dark house because they were trying to be really on the nose with their satire of the genre. Yeah. Like they they were making an old dark house movie and they wanted to call it the old dark house. Sort of have a laugh about it. Yeah. And other things I've read is just that this movie is where that genre gets its name. Oh. So I'm not sure exactly. I know that the uh, preeminent movie before this one is called The Cat and the Canary, which is a silent movie from 1927. But I have not seen it. I believe it is a German film. Maybe it is the answer is both. Yeah, I think, yeah, probably. They were poking for the genre, but also there was an established name for the genre until they came along. Mm-hmm. There you go. Mystery solved. Mystery solved. Write that on Wikipedia. Yep. I'm making my edit right now. Cite me as source. It's actually, uh, I'm just, instead of making the edit that you're talking about, I'm just writing the word balls. <laughs> all right, that sounds good. In all capitals. Make sure they cite your sources. Yep. AndrewBailey.com. Good. Andrew Bailey as balls. Slash Uno O'Connor. Okay. All right. Sounds good. <laughs> Want to get really loud, high pitched, and annoying? Maybe you could faint. Oh yeah. Can you do a faint? Is that is that out of your range? It's out of my range. I can deliver really bad lines though. <laughs> I do I deliver them poorly and overacted. I believe it. <laughs> Movie was. I don't know. I'm reading the Wikipedia now, and I had. Read that it was got it was got negative reviews somewhere else, but this says it's got negative reviews from Variety and the Hollywood Filmograph, but also a fair amount of good reviews as well. From what I and it, remember reading that section, it said it was mixed, and then it's been more it received more positive as time went on. Yep, that that's that's a good summation. So uh, yeah, I mean I can't say much more about this movie other than I recommend it. Uh, probably not as good as. The Frankenstein pictures? No, but better, still entertaining. Better than the Invisible Man? Yeah, I think definitely that's true. I think the the the, the copy they go for works more because they're real people instead of cartoons. Mm-hmm. Yep, it's definitely funnier. It's the funniest of any of those movies for sure, and uh, I think one of the best acted of any of the movies we've watched so far. I don't know if you agree about that or not. I think so. Um. Yeah, very. Uh, the 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 thing that sets these movies, these James Whale movies apart, is that the scripts are usually much smarter than a lot of the other scripts, and this one definitely keeps that in line. Except for possibly the Invisible Man, might not be as that's. I guess that's the big problem with the Invisible Man is the script isn't as smart and clever as the other ones. No, it's kind of very, it's very on the nose. Like everything is like straight, like delivered very bluntly. So, um, do you have anything else to say about the old Dark House? I give it. 
five bottles of whiskey that Boris Karloff probably shouldn't drink. Thanks for listening to episode 14 of the goldenagehorror.com podcast. Visit our website for more information, articles, and show notes. Our first ebook is out on Amazon. It's called All Godless Year. If you liked our podcast, you can leave us a rating or review on iTunes. That would be great. If you don't want to miss an episode, visit our website and join our mailing list, or you can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash allgodlessyear. Follow me on Twitter at TheWaterMethod or Andrew at PizzaBranks. Andrew's website is www.pizzapranks.com. Our theme music is the Swan Lake dub by Dubology. Next week we're talking about gods and monsters, which will be a special palate-cleansing episode for James Whale Jandra. Thanks for listening, and again, our website is www.goldenagehorror.com.